0: Hey, you're listening to the C3 Network Podcast with Dan Holland. Our mission is to create a network of microchurches that are finding, teaching, and equipping people to be on mission. Our hope is that this encourages you. Be sure to leave us a review so you can help us share our message with more people who need to hear it. And now, Dan Holland. We're back and looking at another parable. So last week you heard me say that we can sometimes make things, including microchurch, about perfection rather than purpose. Well, today Jesus reminds us that it's about people. Mission is about people, and specifically looking for people while they are far off. When we get that, then we focus equipping people for service. Now every micro church has three key components, What are they? Now, by now, you know them. So you can say them with me. Worship, community, mission. We are living on mission. So let's unpack the three stories in Luke 15. They're extremely powerful. Matthew told us that the reason Jesus told stories or parables was to reveal things hidden since the creation of the world. So the question becomes, what is revealed to us in this parable? We're going to be in Luke chapter 15, beginning verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The key to understanding the parable is an understanding that Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. Now these are religious leaders who were incredibly legalistic in their practice, and they were against Jesus. Why did Jesus tell this story? because he was answering his critics who charged him with why well, this man just eats with sinners and he, he welcomes them. But by engaging those people, Jesus was breaking, you see, the religious rules. But he was doing what he came to earth to do. In the words of Jesus, the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost, Luke nineteen ten. Now in this parable, Jesus gives us a glimpse into the heart of God. Now, most people know John chapter 3, verse 16. In fact, my guess is that if I asked you, you could at least get the gist of it. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. The very next verse is a little less familiar, John three seventeen. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You see, that's the heart of God. He's looking for lost things. So the first story he tells is in verse three. Then Jesus told him this parable. Suppose that one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and then he calls his friends and neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You know, some people we meet just wander away and are lost, but God cares about them and Jesus came to find them because they're lost. Some people, like the religious teachers of that day, were prideful and self-righteous about how good they were. And Jesus knew that in their heart, they didn't think they needed to repent. Now the second story, Luke chapter 15, verse eight. He said, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. Well, in the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I received an email from my friend Tom Jarzinka after he had spent the day uh, with me at one point. And Zach, his son, had died several years prior to that in a car accident. And here's the note he sent. He said, hey, Dan, I was carrying... I carry a pewter coin that has Zach's name on it. Unfortunately, I lost it yesterday. Could you check the front seat of your truck and see if it came out of my pocket there? Thanks, TJ. That you may be thinking, but it's just a coin. What's the big deal? Get, get another one. But this was a certain coin that reminded him of his 16-year-old son who died suddenly in a car accident. You know, we all have things that are special to us, right? Maybe it's your wedding band or maybe my dad's Bible, a coin from Manny Valdez, who was an army ranger that I baptized. Sometimes things get lost because of carelessness. We don't intend on losing that thing, but they're special to us. It just gets misplaced. Now, whether it was an accident or not, we understand that whenever we lose something meaningful, we search until we find it. And when we find it, what do we do? We celebrate. Now Jesus wants to tell about a boy that chose to leave home. The question here is what happens when someone deliberately abandons what they know to be right for something else? He starts the story in verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, he set off for a distant country but some people choose to walk away from God. It doesn't happen all at once, though. It usually, It's usually a process. So let's keep reading verse 17. And When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. When he came to his senses, this boy represents anyone who uses God's blessings for self-interest. He had the best, and he squandered it. But he came to his senses, and Jesus paints a picture of an unbelievably arrogant, unpleasant, immoral, foolish, irreligious young man. The phrase, he came to his senses, doesn't indicate that he was necessarily repentant. It's just simply, he recognized that the way he had chosen, it wasn't working. So once he came to his senses, he was ready with a speech. But dad was looking for him. So he rehearses a speech acknowledging his transgressions in hopes that his father might take him back as a day worker, not even as a son. But the father was waiting. I love this part of the story. And when he saw him, he ran to him. He ran. To him, The dad interrupted the boy's speech. He gave him his best. His son's plan, you see, was to be a servant that works day by day for wages. But he was home now and dad gave him his best, the father's best robe, which was a sign that people should honor him as they would honor the father. Hey, friend, you may not realize it, but we also have been clothed with a new robe. In Galatians 3, verse 26, it says, You are all sons of God through your faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Isn't that cool? So first he gave him a robe, and then the father gave him a ring. The ring gave the son the authority to represent the father. And Finally, he gave him sandals. Why was that a big deal? It's because sandals were a sign of a son. Being shoeless was a sign of a slave. The son was immediately and unconditionally elevated to a position of honor and respect in the home. The father was thrilled that his son had chosen to come home. He was fired up. I have people that I'm looking for. I'm waiting for the day that they turn and head for home. I'm watching for them and I'm praying for them. How about you? Do you have anybody you can think of? You know, you'd think that people would be happy about this boy coming home. Like, everybody would be thrilled. But then we come to verse 25, and Jesus continues. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Can you believe the older brother's attitude? It's all about how his father welcomed his brother home. The parable forces those of us who might snub our nose at others as though we're better than them to really take a second look at the fact that Jesus is talking to people who are hostile to him because he's spending time with tax collectors and sinners, because they need him. Now, when the story ends, the older brother is outside the house nursing his ego. But when you contrast the older brother's attitude against God's attitude of dealing with prodigal children is such a stark contrast. See, what's going on here is Jesus is showing the Pharisees the heart of God. It's almost like he's saying to them, guys, you're missing out on what's important. What we realize from this story is that proximity can't replace relationship, and that's key. We think because we put ourselves close to the Father, maybe hang out at church or Christian, around Christian friends, avoid immoral behavior, uh, that life, you know, our life looks together that that's enough, but we can still miss it. The goal isn't proximity, it's obedience. The problem isn't often proximity, it's priorities. So how did the Father see his boys? The father's attitude towards both lost boys is an illustration of God's love for us. The father loved his sons and was glad they were his. He allowed them to make choices, though. The one chose to leave home. The other chose to stay outside from the party. So he went out to the boy lost in self-righteousness and invited him to come in. He went out to the boy lost in sin and welcomed him home. And the father celebrated the return of the youngest brother. Just like we celebrate when we find lost stuff, we celebrate found money in the checking account, found the car keys, found my glasses right here on my head. We celebrate finding a quarter in the couch cushions for crying out loud. Every time something lost is found, you see, it's the appropriate response to celebrate. But then there's what the boys thought about each other they didn't seem especially close. From the perspective of the older brother, he had such a, well, bitter hatred that he referred to his brother as this son of yours. The older boy was so hard on his younger brother. But I think it's to be expected when he's so hard on himself as well. He said of his brother, he spent that money on prostitutes. He felt like he had earned a party he said, I feel like he's not earned it and he doesn't deserve the celebration. He imagined the best about himself and the worst about his brother. Now, from the perspective of the younger boy, he knew his sin and his horrible condition. He, he just wanted to be home. He didn't think he deserved anything either. So how did the boys feel about their relationship with the father? The younger son felt unworthy. The older son believed he was unworthy. So one felt unworthy. The other felt entitled. The bottom line with the younger son is, he felt like I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer to be called your son. I'm not worthy of it. Just make me one of your hired men. As a result, he viewed his relationship as undeserved. Just make me a hired man. And he's probably more comfortable coming home on his own terms than his father's. But it began with the younger boy wants to be free from parental restraint, and he wants to spend his share of the family wealth as he pleases. He never intended on being lost in sin. He just didn't want to be home anymore. He just didn't want to live life under his father's rules. He wanted to live how he wanted to live. That's how he came to a place of emptiness. While the older brother, when we consider the bottom line there, he tried to be the son that he thought his father wanted. He said things like, I've never disobeyed your orders. And as a result, he viewed his relationship as a, as sort of a master slave. He says, all these years I've slaved for you, and I never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me a party. But he found it very difficult to celebrate even for his younger brother. The older boy didn't plan on being lost in self-righteousness it just happened what was the father's response to him he said oh son everything i have is yours he was reminding him that he wasn't in danger of losing his inheritance just because his younger brother came home he needed to be reminded that the father did not view him as a servant but as as an heir so he should also celebrate his brother's homecoming but sadly We're actually not told what the older brother did. Jesus purposefully left the story open-ended, I think to force the Pharisees and us to fill in the ending by their behavior. Now, comparing yourself to the two brothers in this parable, which one are you most like right now? Maybe you're in the position like the prodigal and you're wondering what your next step is. If you're the prodigal son, I would just tell you, go home your heavenly father's waiting and so are we we're looking for those who are far off but headed home when you come to your senses remember this when you mess up step up and fess up so you can move up now maybe you're like the father you're waiting for someone i know i am i live every day looking out to see if they're coming home if you're waiting for someone keep a soft heart Stay steadfast in waiting. And waiting can be hard. and Don't make it easy for people to keep doing wrong, but don't make it harder for them to start doing right. Just love them. Maybe you, like the older brother, are bothered by the return of the prodigal. Trust that God is working out his plan even when it doesn't seem fair to us. And by all means, celebrate what God has done. Celebrate and celebrate what God is doing. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this podcast, we post a new episode each week. So be sure to subscribe and leave us a review so you can help share our message. We'll see you next time.